listening to Books Are My People, a podcast for book lovers with book news, book recommendations, and ruminations on living a literary life in Los Angeles. This is episode 12, and I am your host, Jennifer Caloyeris. I am recording on Wednesday, November 27th. It is a very wet Wednesday here in Los Angeles. The rain started early this morning, and it's supposed to continue through Thanksgiving and then come back again this weekend. I'm not too upset about it, though, because rain is my favorite. Um, And it rains so little here that when it does rain, it's very exciting. So I'm pretty happy with the situation. I'm supposed to be running a turkey trot 5k tomorrow morning, so maybe I'll be uh, running that one in the rain. My 13-year-old says that he still wants to run it even if it's raining, so that should be interesting. My kids are off of school for the entire week, so we took a little mini vacay out to Palm Springs, which is less than two hours away. We played a lot of board games. Has anyone ever played Nerds? That seemed to be the favorite. It's a card game. Um, And we visited the botanical gardens and took our dog everywhere, which was fun because she really loves vacation. And I've already read three books over the break. I have some very big chicken news to share with everyone. We finally got our first egg about six months after hatching our chickens, although the one that laid the egg was not one that we hatched. It's one that we bought. Um, It was very exciting to open up the little nesting area doors and find an egg. And I was actually a bit confused at first because I had read that if you put wooden eggs in the nesting boxes, it'll encourage the chickens to lay there. So when I first saw the egg, I couldn't figure out if it was a wooden one or a real one. And I'm embarrassed to tell you how long it took for me to figure it out. But the eggs are all coming from one chicken, our chicken named Estelle, and she's a golden-laced Wyandotte. And I'm going to post a picture of her tomorrow on my Instagram account at Jennifer Caloyeris. And except for one day, she's consistently been laying an egg a day, which is very exciting. And the first meal we made with her eggs was what my kids call Estelle French Toast. I was asked alongside two other fiction writers to judge a writing competition at UCLA, and I had so much fun reading through all of the manuscripts that consisted of both short stories and first chapters of novels, and I just love being reminded of all of the possibilities when it comes to writing fiction. And I have one more embarrassing story to share with you. Um, This happened the other night when I was at the hockey rink. Both of my kids play ice hockey, and we spend a lot of time at the hockey rink. But anyways, um, I was sitting outside waiting for them to come out, and all of a sudden there was something in my eye, and it hurt so badly. And I have a thing about eyes. I am very squeamish with anything having to do with eyes. I am no fun at the eye doctor. Um, So something was in my eye, and I showed it to my husband. And he goes, oh, it's big. It's huge. Um, And we couldn't get it out. He tried lying me down and pouring water, but it just went all over my face. Um, And I was very panicky. So we drove all the way home. It's a long drive home. And I tried to make myself cry, thinking that would naturally wash it out, and it worked. And when I pulled out this big object from my eye, it was actually two flies mating. (laughs) They were locked together after having a romantic interlude in my eyeball, and sadly, they did not live to tell the tale. 
So on that note, it's time for some bookish news. The novel Daisy Jones and the Six, written by Taylor Jenkins Reid, is being turned into a 12-episode series. Daisy Jones will be played by Riley Keogh, who was also in the Netflix adaptation of The Earthquake Bird, which I reviewed on episode 10 of this podcast. I watched The Earthquake Bird a few weeks ago, and I really liked it. I thought it was a good adaptation of the book. Michelle Obama earned a Grammy nomination for her book, Becoming. I talked about this book and specifically about the audio version of this book and how much I loved it on episode number seven. This nomination is so well-deserved and I'm very happy for her and I hope she wins. The newest library at Cornell University is under fire for its design, which has left some patrons a little bit uncomfortable. The library has a see-through design, which makes the book seem to float on air, but because of the design, there are graded floors, and these floors happen to be see-through, so people on lower levels can see to the upper levels, which means that if you are wearing a skirt or a dress, you are suddenly starring in a peep show that maybe you wanted no part in. One patron said, I'm 100% sure a man designed this, and in fact, she is correct. Some people have asked the library to cover the floor with something more opaque, but the architect said that that would, and I quote, literally destroy the project. So I guess it's pants only at the library at Cornell. Now on to the books. My first pick this week is Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. I received an advanced review copy of this book back in August, and I read it right away. It was originally supposed to come out on January 7th, but I see that the date has been moved up to December 31st, and I wanted to give you something to put on your holiday wish list or put on hold at the library. So even though it's officially not out yet, I am going to start with this book. It is about Emera Tucker, who is a 26-year-old black woman who works as a babysitter for a white woman named Alex Chamberlain and her husband, um, who is a newscaster. So Alex is a professional blogger and an inspirational speaker, and Emera feels like she's a little behind all her friends in life because um, by their mid-20s, they all have real successful careers and they're making more money than she is and they have amazing insurance plans and Emera's insurance is about to um, go by the wayside. She's been on her parents' plan. So one night something happens at the Chamberlain household and Emera is asked to take the oldest girl to the local upscale supermarket to distract her and get her out of the house. And it's at the supermarket that Emera is questioned by the security guard who wrongly assumes that, of course, she's kidnapped the little white girl by her side. Emera tries to explain that, no, no, she's the babysitter, um, but she's also getting really angry um, by the whole accusation. A man at the supermarket named Kelly comes to her defense, and he begins videotaping the entire incident. Finally, everything is righted at the supermarket, but Emera is left with big feelings of anger and shame from the incident. And when she finally reaches out to Kelly, who had filmed the whole thing, um, she reaches out to him about procuring the video. The two of them start dating. 
Um, back to Emra and her employer, Alex. They have a very fraught relationship. Alex doesn't seem to have many friends and has made Emra her confidant, but it's not a friendship that's based on equality since Alex is paying her to be their babysitter. And Alex is just completely unaware of her privilege. This is a smart book about class and race and power struggles. It's full of great dialogue and interesting topics of conversation. And again, that is Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. If you've been listening to the show long enough, you know that I have a very soft spot for historical fiction. If you transport me to another century, I will be a very happy reader. So my next pick originally came out in October of 2018. It's called Little by Edward Carey. This is the kind of book that you buy because it's so gorgeous and it's filled with all of these fantastic black and white illustrations throughout. It is the fictionalization of Madame Trousseau's childhood before she became the woman famous for wax museums. Her original name that she's born with is Mary Grolschotz, and she is born in an Alsatian village in 1761. Her mother dies after taking a job working for Dr. Curtius, and he is a doctor who makes wax models out of body parts. So now little Marie is stuck living and working for him. He nicknames her little, and he teaches her everything he knows about wax casting. They end up moving to London, where he takes diseased body parts from dead people and makes wax replicas of them. And then he takes them around town as sort of a public health warning. Eventually, due to circumstance, Marie and Dr. Curtius need to flee London for Paris. And here they embark on a new project, casting wax replicas of actual people. They cast famous, powerful men such as Rousseau and Diderot and Voltaire and Louis XVI. They also cast murderers and victims of the guillotine, which they like doing those projects because it only involves casting the fallen heads. Marie later gets a job as an art teacher and moves into the Versailles Palace, and it's there that she secretly casts wax heads of the royal family. I loved all of the descriptions of the wax casting work that Little does, all of the details and their accompanying drawings, and I vividly remember one description in particular where they're casting a man's face and they stick two straws up his nostrils and then cover his face in oil before applying the wax. The book definitely has elements of the Gothic and the macabre. It's an exploration of revolutionary Paris, and it's the kind of book where you get so sucked in, you'd follow little literally anywhere because it's all just so interesting. And it ends up being a meditation on life and facsimile and art. And again, that is Little by Edward Carey. My next book is Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow. And this is a nonfiction book that was out October 15th. This was one of the big books for 2019 and had so much hype around it that I kind of avoided reading it. But I finally got it as an ebook from the library, so I decided to start it, and it turns out I could not put it down. This is the story of how the Harvey Weinstein scandal broke 
Weinstein, of course, is a big time Hollywood producer who headed up Miramax, and he and his brother are responsible for dozens and dozens of Hollywood's biggest movies. So this book is about the scandal itself, but it's also the behind the scenes way in which the story broke. The author Ronan Farrow is a well-respected journalist with a law degree, and at the time he was working as an investigative reporter at NBC and following this story closely. His mother is the actress Mia Farrow, and his father is Woody Allen, who's had his own slew of controversy surrounding him, Um, and Farrow doesn't shy away from any of this. At NBC, Farrow was quietly interviewing women who had accused Weinstein of sexual misconduct and rape. But soon, the word gets out that Pharaoh is circling around the Weinstein story, and a lot of this book looks at the ways in which systems are put into place at these big studios in order to suppress stories like this from coming out. Pharaoh reveals how his own employer, NBC, worked to kill the story, and the title of the book comes from a term they use at tabloid magazines called Catch and Kill where they work to protect certain people like Trump and Matt Lauer, thereby catching the story and killing it by not printing it. These bigger organizations also routinely dole out non-disclosures to keep victims quiet about anything they've gone through. And in this case, if a woman did come forward, Weinstein and his camp of lawyers would immediately start a smear campaign against her. So this is a case of systematic bullying. The book itself reads like an amazing spy novel. I felt like I was reading I Am Pilgrim, which is the only spy novel I could think of um, off the top of my head. Have you guys read that? Catch and Kill was surprisingly a page turner. Uh, You learn about all of the women affected by Weinstein's abuse and how he would kill their careers if they wouldn't comply with him. Uh, Ronan Farrow himself became an at-risk reporter when he learned that he was being followed and on the receiving end of death threats. And credit goes out to The New Yorker, who eventually published Pharaoh's story. It wasn't a particularly easy book to read. It left me feeling very angry, but appreciative that the more people come forward with their stories, the sooner men like Weinstein will be put behind bars where they belong. I had already seen the Weinstein documentary on Netflix called Untouchable, and that feels like a more condensed version of this book. Um, And if you're interested, I would suggest reading the book first and then watching the documentary. And again, that is Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow. My next pick is All This Could Be Yours by Jamie Attenberg. I very purposefully placed this novel after Ronan Farrow's book because I think it makes a fantastic companion novel. It's the story of a family affected by a Weinstein power-hungry type. So this book takes place over the course of one day as family members learn that the family's patriarch, Victor Tuckman, has had a heart attack and is lying on his deathbed in New Orleans. His son Gary is out in Hollywood, his daughter Alex... Uh, lives in Chicago. She's a newly divorced lawyer with a teenage daughter, and his wife, Barbara, is by his side. The thing they all have in common is that they've all been irrevocably hurt by Victor. One of the questions at the center of the novel is what happens when we let one bad person define us, and is there room to move forward once that bad person is out of the picture? So throughout the day, we learn more about the family, about their histories, 
who his wife Barbara was before she married Victor, um, his courtship of her. Uh, We learn about Alex's childhood when she learned that her father was a criminal. And we even learn about Gary's wife, Twyla, um, and we learn that she has her own family secrets. This is not a plot-heavy book, but if you like a more character-driven novel, then I think this book is for you. It's definitely a slower, more deliberate reading experience. And again, that is All This Could Be Yours by Jamie Attenberg. In episode number three of this podcast, I spoke with my dad, who is also a writer, about weird and wonderful books. And this next pick could and should definitely be added to that list. In fact, I gave this book to my dad as soon as I finished it, and he also loved it. This book comes from my backlist and was first published in 2013, and it's called Sudden Death by Alvaro Enrique. Enrique is a Mexican novelist and a short story writer. He's written a handful of novels, but Sudden Death is the first of his novels to be translated into English. Oh, and he's married to Valeria Luiselli, who wrote The Story of My Teeth and Lost Children Archive, and I loved both of those books. But back to Enrique um, and Sudden Death. So this book is a little bit difficult to talk about because the premise is so absurd, but you just have to roll with me here. So essentially, it is about a tennis match taking place in Rome between the Spanish poet Francisco de Quevedo and the Italian painter Caravaggio. Are you still with me? Um, And they happen to be playing with a tennis ball that was made from the hair on Anne Boleyn's head. So the tennis match is a philosophical battle. It's kind of their version of a duel. And as the match goes on, the reader is taken on a historical journey that involves politics and religion and art and history. Um, Galileo makes an appearance. Cortez, the Spanish conquistador, makes an appearance. It's definitely a literary romp, and you have to be able to go with the experimental nature of the text. I realize This is not a book for everyone. It's very playful. It's humorous. It's informative. It's totally absurd. And um, there's also a ton of historical anecdotes throughout. And the execution of the book kind of reminded me of the John Luigizamo one-man show, Latin History for Morons, which I saw a few months ago and loved. So again, that is Sudden Death by Alvaro Enrique. And that's it. I can't believe that there is only one more episode of Books Are My People before the new year. This year has totally flown by. A big thank you to listeners who have given me a five-star rating on iTunes. And a special thank you to the one person who wrote a review. Yay! I got my first review. If you enjoy what you're listening to, feel free to rate or review my podcast on iTunes because it will help other listeners find me. As always, all of the books that I talked about are listed in the show notes section of this podcast, or you can visit booksaremypeople.com. Have a wonderfully bookish week. 